chapter 6, <clears throat> Romans chapter 6. I was, uh, of course, you know, as a pastor, you're always looking for um, uh, the Lord to show you different things as far as uh, the message He wants you to bring. And I was laying in bed the other night, just uh, a lot of what God's been doing at the church has been on my mind, thinking about it. And uh, I was, I specifically prayed and asked the Lord to uh, give me the message uh, that He wanted me to preach on Sunday. And that next morning when I got up and started reading my Bible, uh, the Lord brought this phrase that we're going to look at today today to mine, and uh, that's the message we're going to look at today out of Romans chapter 6. And so if you find your place, stand with me together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 of Romans chapter 6. The Bible says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Here's the phrase the Lord showed me wants me to preach on this morning. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Let's pray. Lord, we love You today. We thank You for the Word of God. And Lord, as I pray every Sunday, I ask that Your Word, God, would work on hearts. Lord, I pray that if someone is here today, they don't know You as their personal Savior, that they would accept You today before it's eternally too late, Lord. I pray that You'd help us as Christians to allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make us better for You. We ask that You'd work on our heart, God. Convict us of our sin and help us, Lord, to uh, be the children that would bring glory and honor to You. And we love You and we thank You. Thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, notice what that phrase says in verse 4. Even we also should walk in newness of life. And I want to preach to you a message this morning entitled this, Welcome to the new life. Welcome to the new life. Now, this year, our theme has been the banner behind me. And we've been preaching on those three words uh, found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. We've been preaching on victory. We've been preaching on faith. We've been preaching on overcoming. And uh, so this message this morning uh, kind of ties all this together into one. Faith, victory, and overcoming. Uh, putting it in a, in a package with a nice bow on top, amen, and uh, giving you a, a kind of those three subject matters into this message this morning. Now, if we look around us today, uh, you know what you're going to find in this room? You're going to find different level of Christians at different places, amen? And uh, praise the Lord, there's Christians in this room that's been saved for decades, amen? Been saved for decades. Uh, uh, last month in September, I just celebrated my 33, my, my 33, third year of being saved. I got saved when I was uh, nine years old. September the 13th, 1989 is the day that I come to know Christ as my Savior. And so I've been saved for 33 years. Uh, many of you in this room have, that have a testimony of being saved decades. Some of you in this room have been only saved years. Some of you in this room have only been saved months. Amen. Some have even only been saved weeks. But truth be told, folks, it doesn't really matter where you're at in your Christian life. God wants for all of us, as verse 4 tells us, to walk in newness of life. 
Walk in newness of life. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, listen to what the Bible says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man, listen to this, is renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. And truth be told, folks, the Christian life is a day-by-day journey. Amen? It's a day-by-day journey. Listen, this thing, folks, isn't a, a sprint to the finish line. It's a marathon. And we must learn as Christians, learn how to day-by-day walk in newness of life. By the way, the Bible doesn't say that we should run in newness of life. It doesn't say that we should jog in newness of life. It says that we should walk. And it's talking about the direction, the pace of our life, as Christians, ought to be the pace of the new life. So I want to give you today some attributes of this new life. I want to challenge you that have only been saved for a short amount of time to make sure that as we preach these things this morning, that this is what your life ought to be about. But listen, I'm not just preaching to folks at new converts, people who haven't been saved that long. Hey, I'm preaching to all of us, amen? Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't care how long you've been saved. Every single day, we need to be walking in newness of life. In fact, sometimes, truth be told, it seems like folks that have been newly saved uh, seem to maybe be a little bit more about their walk than we are that's been saved longer. And we almost almost get this this mindset of, well, you know, uh, the Christian life, been there, done that, got that t-shirt, I'm okay. Let me tell you, that's not a good philosophy to have when it comes to the Christian life. All of us, every day, ought to be walking in newness of life. So let me give you some things this morning, uh, out of the book of Romans mainly, uh, some uh, things that are part of this new life. First of all, let me say this. Man, I'm excited about this. Number one, we have a new master. Amen? A new master. Notice what it says in verse 1 and 2. All right? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, look at this phrase, church, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, whether you realize it or not, before you got saved, guess what? You served a master. Well, I don't serve anybody. I I, I live for myself. No, you don't. Amen? You know, it was, uh, uh, by the way, the Bible defines what that master is, who that master is. By the way, it was a hard master, a cruel master, a master that never has nor ever will care for its subjects. Who is the master that everyone uh, served before we met Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible answers that. It's the master of sin. The master of sin. Look down at verse 14 of Romans chapter 6. Notice what it says this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. That word dominion, you know what that means? It means Lord. It means ruler. Look at verse 16 and 17. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye, look at that next word, church, were. Amen? Ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart for that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Hey, aren't you thankful for that word were? Amen? Aren't you thankful that, guess what? When you got saved, a new master took over your life. And I'll tell you this, that new master is way better than the old master. Amen? That's the good master. The Bible says in verse 18 of Romans 6 and verse 22, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God. 
You have your fruit into holiness and the end, everlasting life. Amen? Hey, I'm glad when I got saved, folks. Listen to me. Hey, my membership transferred from one family to the next, from one master to a new master. Now, I'm not saying, nor does the Bible teach, that once you get saved, you're never going to sin again. That's not what it's teaching here, okay? Uh, the Bible tells us, in fact, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, there are actually are people out there that believe that they never sin. Well, I don't know about uh, them, but uh, uh, just by saying they've never sinned, they've just sinned because they just told a big fat lie, amen? Because truth be told, folks, listen to me, when you get saved, guess what? You don't uh, automatically get that uh, new body yet, all right? That's coming one of these days. But you know what we've got to deal with as Christians? we still got to deal with this old body we're living in called the flesh. Amen? Now I'll tell you this, the flesh can and the flesh will still sin. Yes, it will. But here's the, what the Bible's teaching, folks, is this. You may still sin uh, some, but sin isn't calling the shots anymore. Amen? Sin isn't the one that's the master over you anymore. Sin isn't in the driver's seat. Sin has lost its dominating power in your life. That's exactly what the Bible's teaching. Amen? Listen, it has no more dominion over us. Truth be told, before you were saved, you know what? You didn't even think about sinning. You didn't even think about it. You know why? Because we're sinners. That's why. Sinners do what sinners do, and that's sin. Amen? And you know what? Truth be told, that's why the world can go out there and do those things that they do and not even think twice about it. You know why? Because sin is their ruling, uh, uh, is the ruler of their life. But I'm glad that once we get safe, folks, hey, we get a new master that's part of the new life. And by the way, he is a good master that's worth serving. I can tell you that. Amen? So first of all, you get a new master. Second of all, let me show you this. Go to Romans chapter 8, a couple chapters over. Romans chapter 8. Now I want to, I, I'm preaching this message so that I can try to help some of you that are trying to figure this thing out called the Christian life. So you're trying to understand some of the things that's going on and, and uh, you know, why you feel certain ways about things. Well, the Bible has answers for that, and that's what I'm trying to show you this morning. Not only, number one, do you get a new master. How about this? Number two, you get a new mate. You get a new mate. Notice what it says in verse 9 of Romans chapter 8. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the, look at that next word, Spirit, capital S Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen? And this new mate I'm talking about is the sweet Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Now, I love seeing this happen when I see somebody get saved and it's almost like um, the light comes on. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. People will say things like this to me. They're like, oh my goodness, I feel so different. I had one person say to me, what just happened to me? Something's different. Amen. And here's what I tell them. I said, you better believe something just happened to you. Number one, your sins just got washed away. Number two, the Spirit of God just came to live inside of you. Amen. And let me tell you something, folks. The greatest evidence that God is real and that everything we're doing is not in vain is the presence of the sweet Holy Spirit of God. 
you got a new mate living in you, amen? He's called the Holy Spirit. And a part, think about this, a part of the triune Godhead literally lives in every person that's ever been born again. Literally, a part of God lives inside of us. Man, you talk about powerful. You talk about phenomenal that God would choose to give us literally a part of Him. By the way, that this, this new mate isn't just so you can feel warm and fuzzy about being a Christian. That's not why He lives in you, amen? He specifically has things that He's trying to accomplish by living inside of us. And the Bible tells us what He tries to do. The Bible tells us first and foremost that He is a comforter. A comforter. In fact, when He's first introduced to us, He's introduced to us in John chapter 15, verse 26, and Jesus said this to His disciples, but when the Comforter, capital C, the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of Me. And when you first hear of the Holy Spirit coming to indwell believers, the Bible calls Him the Comforter. Now that word Comforter, if you look that word up, it's an interesting word, it literally means one that comes alongside and helps. I know a lot of times when we think of comfort, we think of times of grief. We think of times of sorrow. And no doubt the Holy Spirit of God is there for those times. But folks, listen to me. He's not just there to help you through your grief. He's not just there to help you through your sorrow. He's there to help you alongside of everything you've got to do as a Christian. Amen? That's why He's there. That's why God put Him there. It's so He can come alongside and help us. Amen? Aren't you glad we don't have to do this thing on our own? I'm glad. Listen, folks, this Christian life is difficult enough. There's no way we could do it without the Spirit of God. No way. Amen? He's the one that comes alongside and comforts. Not only that, how about this? He reproves. The Bible says in John 16, 8, and when He, talking about the Spirit of God, has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That word reprove, it means to convince. It means to tell a fault. You know what we call that? Conviction. Amen. Conviction. Let me tell you something, folks. God has set it up in such a way where the Holy Spirit of God works in tandem with our conscience and uses us to convince us of the things that we sometimes we're involved in we shouldn't be or the things we should be involved in that we're not. By the way, there's sins of what's called commission. There's also sins of omission. Amen? And the Holy Spirit of God is the one that lives inside of us that convinces us of those types of things. By the way, Christian, listen to me now. Come on, all right? Uh, we're going to uh, put, your sp- put your spiritual seatbelt on for a minute, all right? Let me tell you something. There's things in your life and my life that we, we involve ourselves in, and the Holy Spirit comes and tells us, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't please God. That's against the Word of God. You shouldn't be doing that. Now, let me tell you something. When you hear that, you ought to be thankful for that, and you ought to listen to that. Amen? Because the Bible warns us about not listening to the Spirit of God. So the, the Spirit of God, that new mate that we have, He'll comfort you. He will reprove or convict you. How about this? He will seal you. Amen? He will seal you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Brother Dave, would you kick that air on for me, please? It's a little bit warm in here. And uh, it started out cool in here this morning, uh, but uh, as I'm preaching, we start warming things up. Amen? And so uh, we'll get some air going here for everybody. I see y'all fanning out there. Amen? And so we'll get some air going for you, all right? But the Holy Spirit, He comforts, He reproves, He seals. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Bible says, listen to this now, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, 
whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now think about this for a minute. That word seal, that word seal means to mark for security and preservation. Now in our day and age, seals aren't as important as they used to be in the older days. But maybe you've seen before uh, in, in a uh, read about a book or seen in a movie or something where a king would, would have a scroll. And you know what he would do with that, that, that scroll? He would take dip a ring, his signet, in wax, and they would seal that thing. And that meant this. Listen, this thing's secure because the king says it's secure. And by the way, let me just say this. As a Christian, when you get saved, you are secure because the king says you're secure. And let me tell you what helps us know that we're secure, that the Spirit of God lives in us. Amen? By the way, you better be glad for the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what the devil wants. The devil wants your soul. He wants your soul. And you know what? If you've been saved, aren't you thankful that He can't have your soul? Aren't you thankful for that? Once He saves you, hey, you're saved forever. He's got that. But listen, He doesn't just want your soul. He wants your testimony. He wants your effectiveness. And let me tell you what helps seal us and what does seal us, the Spirit of God. Amen? That new, that new uh, 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 person that, that, that lives inside of us uh, are uh, the one that God gives us to, to come alongside and help. So He comforts, He reproves, He seals. How about this? He teaches. He teaches. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let me tell you something, folks. God wants you to, to grow in your Christian life. He wants you to learn about Him. He wants you to learn His Word. And who better to teach you the Word of God than the author of the Word of God. Who do you think knows more about the book? Probably the one that wrote it, right? Well, guess what? The Spirit of God. uh, 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 God used inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the human authors to write the Bible. By the way, let me just say this, because I know there's a lot of false teaching out there, but this book that we hold, the King James Bible, wasn't just written by a bunch of men. Amen? This book, the Bible tells us, it was given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. First Peter chapter tells us that, that he moved upon those holy men and he's the one that penned these words. They were just a human instruments. Amen. I have underneath uh, here uh, my pulpit. I have a, an ink pen. All right. Now, how silly would you think I was if I said to you, this ink pen by itself wrote my sermon today? I mean, literally it was sitting there and all of a sudden it just, Started floating in the air, and it started going to the paper, and it just, it, it, it wrote, it wrote the words out. The ink pen by itself did it. You look at me like, preacher, you had too much pizza before you went to bed last night, didn't you? Okay, man, what would you eat at the red wagon yesterday? My God, I bet those mushrooms weren't just regular mushrooms, right? Those things we had yesterday. I mean, if I told you that, if I said to you this morning, this pen by itself wrote my message, uh, uh, this week, you'd be like, you're crazy. No, you know who wrote the pen? The author, or who wrote the message? The author wrote the message. Guess what the pen was? It was the tool and the hand of the author. I didn't actually write it out with an ink pen. I typed it down on the computer. Amen. All right. That might even be more freaky if the keys started moving by themselves. Okay. Now listen to me, folks. The pen had nothing to do with it other than it was just a tool that the author used. Well, guess what the men who wrote the Bible were? They were the pen. Okay? The Holy Spirit of God was the author that told that, that through Him put the words of what He wanted. Amen? 
It's called inspiration. It's called preservation. And let me tell you something right now, whether you completely understand it or not, but that Bible you hold, if you've got a King James Bible, you've got the very words of God Himself. Amen? And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit of God wants to teach you what that Bible says. I don't know about y'all. I'm going to make a confession here this morning, okay? I don't understand everything in the Bible. You seem shocked at that. <laughs> I really don't. Okay? I don't understand everything in the Bible. In fact, to this morning, as I was going through my Bible and listening to it and reading it, there were some chapters I had to go over two or three times because I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say here? Well, what's the context of this thing here? But you know what I did? Here's what I said. Holy Spirit, would you please teach me something? Will you please show me something from your Word? Let me tell you something, folks. You ought to be saying that prayer before you dive into the Word of God. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit of God wants to teach you what's in the Word of God. Amen? Not only does He comfort, reproves, seals, teaches. How about this? Man, I'm glad for this. He empowers. He is our power source as a Christian. All right, now we understand power sources, okay? All right, uh, we all carry around uh, our, our government tracking device with us everywhere we go, all right? Our government spying device with us everywhere we go, all right? We carry it everywhere we go, right? Well, you know why this thing works every day when we carry it in our pocket? Because of what you did the night before. You know what you did? You plugged it into the power source, right? Listen, these things are only going to last so long if they're not, if, if, if they're not charged up. Now, if, if that, some silly, stupid, worldly, wicked thing like a cell phone, if that's true about, how much more is that true about we as Christians? Listen, we need spiritual power to do a spiritual work. Listen, folks, I can't make anybody believe anything. I can't. You know what I am? I'm the messenger. That's it. And you know what I need to be? I need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to flow through me to do the words that only He can do. But it's only going to happen if He's the one that empowers me to do it. Amen? Now listen, I'm not saying you can't accomplish some things through, your, through the flesh, but they won't be, they won't really matter for eternity. Amen? And I can tell you this, you won't last them, they won't last very long. you got to have the power to do the work. And let me tell you, we have the power, and that's the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now that was just a crash course about the Holy Spirit, our new mate, who He is, what He does. But I hope I whet your appetite this morning to, to encourage you, hey, listen to what He has to say in your life. Amen? God's given Him as part of this new life we're walking in. So God's given us a, a new master. God's given us a new mate. How about this? Aren't you glad for this? God's given us a new mind. A new mind. We taught through this this year. I'm not going to reteach everything that I that I taught you about this. Uh, but uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the... Here's that word again. Renewing. Alright? The renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And folks, let me just say this to you this morning. Amen? God has given you the ability to have a new mind when He saved you, and we need to allow our mind to be renewed. Day by day. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of stinking thinking going on out there. A lot of wicked things going on out there. A lot of things that are influencing people's minds. Listen, Satan's after your mind. 
Why do you think he's bombarding everywhere we go, every place we go? Listen, he's trying to constantly fill your eyes and ears with the things of this life and the things of this world. You know why? He's trying to reprogram this thing right up here. And by the way, for a lot of people, it's working. It's working. Amen? And I'm not just talking about the world. Although, let me tell you, they're doing, Satan's doing a doozy on the people, especially in the United States of America. We, we are being systematically brainwashed, and people are buying it hook, line, and sinker, folks. And I know not everybody, but too many people are. Now, the world, again, is going to do what it's going to do. But come on, Christian, come on now. Don't allow your mind to be uh, stolen away by the devil. Amen? You've got to have biblical thinking patterns. And by the way, how about this? I can tell you this, 100% true, 100% fact, the biblical thinking patterns will never contradict the Bible itself. Amen. Never, 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 never. Right? Listen, folks, uh, the way God wants us for us to think, by the way, He doesn't He doesn't leave it up to chance for you to figure it out on your own. He tells us how He wants for us to think. Now, why is our mind so important? I'll tell you why. All right? You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again because it's good. We need to hear it. Amen? Because your mind affects your emotions and your emotions affect your actions. Amen? Let me tell you why it's important to think right. Because if you think right, you'll feel right. And if you feel right, you'll do right. Let me tell you what too many people are are doing, folks. You know what they're being ruled by? Emotions. Oh, yeah. It's all about how I feel, all right? What about y'all? Here's what my feelings do. Woo, 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 woo. Roller coaster ride, just like we went to amusement park this summer, man. Rode those roller coasters up, down. Hey, your emotions can deceive you. The Bible calls it your heart. The Bible says your heart is, is, is desperately wicked. Not just wicked, desperately wicked, amen? You cannot base your actions upon how you feel. Because you're not always going to feel right, amen? I can tell you this, if you will have biblical thinking patterns, you can think right. And I'm going to tell you something, the way God has set this thing up, if you'll think right and you'll allow the Spirit of God to influence your thinking, before long you'll start feeling right. And if you feel right, you will do right, amen? That's why it's so important for us to allow our mind to be renewed and be part of that daily renewal process. For sake of time, I'm not going to go there, but Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 tells us exactly what our biblical thinking patterns ought to be. The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. There's the first thing. So let me ask you a question. What are you, what are you thinking on? You're thinking on what's true or you're thinking on what's a lie? What are you thinking on? By the way, a lie based upon the source that we compare lies to. Amen? And that's the source of truth, the Word of God. What are you thinking on? You're thinking about things that are true, things that are lies. What else does it say there? Things that are honest. That word honest, it means something that's proven. Let me ask you a question. What are you thinking on? Things that are proven, things that are unproven. The Bible says whatsoever things are just. That word just means self-evidently right. Or in other words, unquestionably right. Are you thinking about that? Or are you thinking about things that are unjust? Whatsoever things are pure. The word pure means clean, innocent, modest, chaste. It's talking about morality. By the way, what's dominating our thinking? What's the world? What's the devil? What's the flesh trying to dominate our thinking with in this world we're living in? I'll tell you what it is. It's not purity, that's for sure. Amen? 
What are you thinking about? Things that are pure, things that are impure. The Bible says, whatsoever things are lovely. That word lovely means to be kindly affection uh, as toward a friend. And are you thinking about those types of things or are you thinking about ugly things? Whatsoever things are of good report. Listen, folks, I mean, have you ever looked at someone and said, do you have anything positive to say? I mean, some people just find negatives about everything. I mean, I don't care what the situation is. They're always pulling out the negatives. All right, listen. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about what's good. You're thinking about what's bad. And I understand we have negatives we got to deal with, but I'm not going to allow my mind to be filled with those things. Amen? Let's be filled with the good, the good thing. Whatsoever things of a good report, whatsoever things of virtue, uh, uh, and whatsoever things of praise. That's talking about things that are, are, are worthy, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. You know what the Bible's trying to tell us? Have the right thinking patterns. Now do not say to me, well, I can't help what I think about. That is one of the biggest lies people have been swallowing. Yes, you can help what you think about. Yes, you can. You know, God has designed our minds in such a way where you can only concentrate on really one thing at a time. Now, I understand sometimes, you know, you can walk and chew gum. Some of us can, amen, all right? Not everybody can, all right? But for the most part, you can only concentrate on one thing at a time. And let me tell you, God's given you the ability to cast down imagination, cast down those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hey, hey, listen, God gave you a new mind, right? So why in the world? Are we dumpster diving with our thinking? Guess what? It's time to check out of drama. It's time to check out of gossip, scorning, criticism, negativity. Live with your mind renewed. Amen? Live with your mind renewed. So what do we have in this new life? We have the new master. We have the new mate. We have the new mind. And I want to give you one more this morning. We could keep going, but I'm not going to. Here's the last one I want to give you. How about this, church? We got a new mission. A new, man, I spit out that one, didn't I? Wow. I think you guys might be just outside of spitting distance there, all right? Remember I said I'm going to christen my new Bible with my DNA? Well, it just got christened right there. Amen. The new mission. What is that new mission? Go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Look what it says in verse 13. Romans six thirteen. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness, Unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then verse 22, But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. By the way, folks, you know what the old mission was about? It was about sin. It was about self. That's what it was about. And truth be told, folks, people who don't know Christ, and some to say, even some people who do know Christ, haven't figured this out yet, but guess what, folks? Life's not about us. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's not about uno numeral number one. Amen? That's not what it's about. You know, folks, listen to me. Now that we're saved, uh, remember again what it says in verse 17. Ye were the servants of sin. Before we got saved, that was the mission. Self was the mission. Sin was the mission. But guess what? Now that we're saved, now that we're part of this new life, we got something greater to live for. Amen? We got something greater than us. Something to get out of bed and face today with. An eternal purpose to make a difference in the lives of those around us. Amen? And that's what the new mission is. It's about eternity. 
It's about impacting people for eternity. I want you to, I'm going to take you to a place in the Scripture and we're going to close out here. Go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I believe the other night when one of the missionaries came through, uh, part of their testimony, they talked about the story right here. But I want you to see this. Man, you talk about powerful. This is a perfect illustration of that new mission. And once you get saved, once you're part of the new life, God puts you on. Mark chapter 5. And you read a very um, a disturbing story here. And we won't read the whole thing, but let me read part of it to you. Let's pick it up in verse 1, uh, Mark chapter 5. And they, Jesus and His disciples, came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when He was come out of the ship, immediately there met Him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. You know what? If that's a person that's all about themselves and all about destruction and death, I don't, I can't think of anybody uh, that would serve as a greater illustration than that man right there. That man had literally the devils in him. Amen? And by the way, when he had the devils in him, the Bible says that he was infatuated with death. He lived among the tombs. He had superhuman strength. The Matthew passage tells us that he ran around naked. And you know what? Listen, he was a menace to society. You know why? Because he had a master. He had a master. And you know, listen, I'm not saying every case is that extreme. But I'll just tell you this, folks. People who serve that master... Whether they realize it or not, truth be told, are a menace to society. Amen? Especially the extreme level here. And by the way, the closer we get to the end of this thing, we're seeing more extreme levels of this stuff right here. You better believe we are. There is a spirit out there. The Bible calls it the spirit of Antichrist. And there is a spirit out there. I mean, how do you explain the things people involve themselves in if it's not for these wicked spirits that are that are convincing them and indwelling them to do these types of things? I'm going to tell you, folks, it's a wicked, scary world we're living in. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to encourage you. Because that's not the end of the story, as some of Brother Bob and I were talking about this morning used to say, right? Now the rest of the story, all right? Paul Harvey, that great uh, uh, father of the faith there that y'all used to listen to. Let's go down to uh, Mark. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 5. Go down to verse 15. Here's the rest of the story. Amen? Now Jesus, of course dealt with this problem. He cast out the devils out of the man. Alright, it talks about those devils going into those pigs, those swine, and running down and uh, being choked in the sea. Let's pick it up in verse 15. And they come to Jesus, just talking about the people, the, the townspeople, those that were keeping the swine. And they come to Jesus and see Him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. By the way, that word legion, you know what it means? It means many. And when Jesus asked the name of those that evil spirit, the, 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 the spirit that was living in the man said, Legion, for we are many. This guy just didn't have one evil spirit. He had multiple evil spirits. In fact, Legion, some people believe that could be even up to 1,000. Okay? And they were possessed with the devil and had the Legion sitting, listen to this now, sitting and clothed in his right mind. Hey, isn't that what we were just talking about, amen? Having a renewed mind? 
Here's the guy that was living in the tombs. Here's the guy that was breaking the chains apart. Here is the guy that was running around cutting himself and terrorizing these people. And the Bible says that he was sitting uh, clothed and in his right mind. And you would think people would rejoice about that. But notice what it says. And they were afraid. They were afraid. And they that uh, it says this, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And think about that for a minute. Jesus just delivered them from this man possessed with demons, and all they could think about were their stinking pigs. So all they cared about was the swine, was the you know probably the the the, the, the monetary means that those swine, the, the the comfort that those swine brought into their lives. That's all they could, they could only think about stuff instead of thinking about this great miracle that had happened. I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, folks, we get so obsessed with the stuff of this life that we miss the miracles God's doing around us every single day. I mean, come on now, you get more excited when you get a pay raise uh, and, and, and monetary blessings in your life than you do if somebody gets saved? Come on now, let's, let's be honest now, amen? Let's be honest what this thing's really about. Let's keep going. Verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, Jesus' disciples, he that had been possessed with the devil, listen to this now, prayed him that he might be with him. That's a pretty good prayer, right? Jesus, I just want to be with you. And by the way, when you get delivered and you, uh, Jesus breaks those, those uh, uh, chains and those bonds, you better believe you want to be with him. Amen? But look what it says in verse 19. Howbeit... Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now listen, before this guy got saved, he had a mission. What that mission was? Self-destruction, terrorizing people. That was the mission. Guess what? Now that he's saved, now that he's part of the new life, he got a new mission. You know what that mission was? Go and tell everybody what God has done in your life. And by the way, He did. He did. He took His mission serious. By the way, that man went out as a one-man missionary team, began to win his, uh, his city to Christ and accomplish great things for the Lord. Now listen to me, folks. Part of this new life we're to be living in is the new mission. And you know what the new mission is? It's about things that are going to matter for eternity. And we know what those things are, amen? Because I've taught that to you before. It's the Word of God. It's the it's souls of mankind. The only two eternal things on this planet are the things we ought to be concerned about, amen? So here's the question. Are you part of the new mission? Are you involved in it? Are you uh, making sure that it's a part of your, uh, of your life as well? We ought to be, amen? We are all, all ought to get involved in the mission. So I want to encourage you this morning. Welcome to the new life, amen? Be part of this new life. Hey, whether you've been saved a few months, whether you've been saved a few years, whether you've been saved a few decades, amen? Every single one of us need to be walking in this new life with the new master, the new mate, the new mind, and the new mission. Let's pray, Lord.